0: And good morning. This is the Local Coronavirus Update. I'm Alicia Bales, live in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Hey, Drew. Good morning. It's nice to see you. How it's was nice your holiday? It was good. It worked a bit, but had some time off. Good. Good. A little chance to
1: rest? Yeah. It was It was cold and wet. <laughs> It seems like it's seasonally appropriate. for a Yeah, yes. that's good. Yes.
0: That's good. Lots of water, lots yeah. of snow on the. Well, not a lot of snow. I've seen more snow on two fifty three, but it's it's dusted. It, it, it's all it white. Up snow for
1: Mendocino mm. is a lot by definition, I think, unless you're a up in Kovalo. White Christmas. Yes,
0: but it is the calm before the COVID storm. It seems like Ugh. so. this the, we're going to COVID
1: storms continue to rage. Yes.
0: So we're going to talk through what's on the horizon here with with the coronavirus update locally and across the country. Uh, Brace yourselves, everyone. Drew, what you got?
1: (laughs) Well... It's not good. Um, just yesterday we had 500 and I think 43,000 COVID cases in this country which is about twice the surge that we twice the number of people diagnosed from last winter's surge. So crazy high rate of climb on uh, nationwide. I mean the the graph that reflects the COVID cases which you know showed a peak last um, December, January, and February, and then another peak over the late summer. Uh, this this peak that we're, we're rolling into right now is going to be much, much higher.
0: Dwarfing it, as they say.
1: Yes. Um, so the rate of climb is steep, let's just say that. Um, unfortunately, the county seems to be on an extended holiday, so they haven't updated their data since the 22nd which in omicron years is like you know four years ago um so we don't have updated data from the county since december 22nd we last did our show a week ago so really i only have about a week of data Mm -hmm. um since uh our last show However, having worked in the ER just yesterday, um, we're still not quite seeing the Omicron crush, um, at least anecdotally. We're not seeing a lot of people sort of with the well-symptomatic check um, that we tended to see during the other sort of high surges. And there's still not a lot of hospitalization. So the, the real question is whether this surge, whether this Omicron variant is going to be bad enough um, in terms of the disease severity to overwhelm the hospital systems. We just don't know. Um, there are some encouraging signs. Um, you know, South Africa did not get completely buried in, their, in terms of their healthcare system capacity, and they have a fairly you know, advanced, uh, developed healthcare system. So it might be that the decreased severity of this illness is almost enough to offset the mad number of cases that we're going to see. But this is really the month that everybody gets coronavirus.
0: Everybody gets coronavirus yes. this month. Everybody's
1: mm. going to everybody's body is going to see coronavirus. I think that is not, not quite an exaggeration um but it's it's really kind of where we're heading um pretty quickly i think it's going to be very sharp and painful um i think the surge is probably going to last maybe a month um, maybe even a little bit less um i might be wrong this might drag on and on and on because you know coronavirus continues to surprise us
0: right so it'll be again. like a, a tsunami all at once
1: well it's gonna be a tsunami in terms of the number of cases Uh, whether it's a tsunami in our health in our hospital and hospital bed utilization and you know the ability to transfer people out i don't know i'm i'm cautiously optimistic that we might actually not get completely buried Uh um we'll see
0: how do the new treatments factor into what's going to happen over the next six weeks?
1: Well, the new treatments are interesting. So the monoclonals um, don't work very well against Omicron. Um, And so, you know, they had, many of us were skeptical over the summer until the data finally showed that they worked. Um, But unfortunately, there are several of them. And the one that is most available nationwide has almost no efficacy against Omicron. And so mm-hmm. it's 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 frustrating to be sure. There is one that does seem to have a fairly high degree of efficacy, but we don't have it. We had about three doses, is my understanding, and those are used up.
0: Are gone. Yeah. How do they create those uh, monoclonal profiles? Are there? Can they generate new ones to fit the bill? They
1: can. It just takes a while to ramp up production ah. and distribution. And, and we just
0: out. seem to have a timing mismatch here.
1: Yes speaking of timing, mismatches or, you know, maybe getting too late to the party, you know, Paxlovid, this pill um, to treat people who are symptomatic, early symptomatic with COVID. um, Still, you know, the data hasn't changed on that. It has about an 85 to 90% efficacy at at reducing um, severe illness or death. But Pfizer announced that they think they can distribute about 250,000 doses by the end of January. Which is you know, half a day' supply. So uh-huh. it's not going to have much role in this omicron surge, unfortunately,
0: so and that's the one, the Pfizer pill, that's the one that's actually pretty safe, lower um, it has a very
1: side effect, very high safety profile mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of concerns about it being, you know, any more dangerous than a lot of other medications that we tr- use to treat mild or moderate illness. Um it's not the monopurvir which you know, there's some concerns that it can, you know, induce genetic mutations um in cell lines, you know, in vitro um in the petri dish. Um and so there's not a lot of uptake there frankly from the from the provider's perspective. I You know, I don't think it's quite as risky as people perceive it Mm -hmm. to be. Um, And it's, you know, only a fraction of as effective as the Paxlovid. It's also not approved yet. Um, (laughs) And so, or not, doesn't have EUA yet. So that's, it's a hypothetical conversation. Got it. Good to know. Yep. Um, So the numbers, stale as they are, um, we're adding around 15 cases a day. Our total case count now is up to 8 thousand five hundred and twelve that is as of december 22nd so you know we could add another hundred cases um frankly i don't know how quickly we're picking up the omicron cases we have about six people hospitalized in the county a couple in the icu there have been many more deaths uh five more deaths just in the eight days between our last show two weeks ago and the 22nd um And I continue to see fairly sick uh, people in the ER uh, requiring high-flow oxygen and and admission. So it's it's still here, folks. California cases um, are climbing quickly. They're up about 120% over two weeks. Um, I think that number is going to probably double or triple um, by the time we do this show again. Uh, 15,000 cases a day. Hospitalization which is really sort of the metric that most of us worry about. Um, starting to t- tick up, it's up about 8% over the course of the last 10 days. Beds are tight. Um, I had to transfer people out yesterday and it is very, very tight uh, finding the right bed with the right specialist. And We're flying people to Chico and we're looking as far as Modesto to get people to the hospital they needed to get to. So it's, it's a good time to try to stay healthy.
0: Right there's my question. Is that here we go again? Things are ramping back up, and none of us so want to deal boring, with it. boring, right? But, I
1: mean, it's the same as it ever was. Well,
0: it's kind of worse than boring, obviously. Yeah, it's deadly boring. It sucks. <laughs> um, what do we do?
1: What do we do? Like, what we, do people so we, do? We, we go back to the basics, really I mean, if this, if if you wanted to really avoid this, if you want to try to stay out of the hospital, first off. It goes without saying, um, and I presume and I hope that all my listeners are vaccinated. And if you're not, then you should probably turn off your radio and go listen to something else. Um, and so and on that point, um, just before Christmas, I think the 23rd big study out of um, Israel was released and. Um, The vaccine, the booster, um, reduces the chance, and I mentioned this two weeks ago, but this study sort of confirmed it, reduces your chance, so we're talking about the booster now, the third dose, um, reduces your chance of getting severe illness or death by about 90%. Um, And this is a big study out of Israel, studied 850,000 people, um, 90% of whom got the booster. So approximately 100,000 people did not get the booster. And in that study time period, um, two-thirds of the people who died from COVID were in that 100,000 patient cohort. One-third of the people who died from COVID were in the 750,000 cohort. So it gives you an idea of how protective this booster is against omicron it is extremely important that you get boosted um, hopefully you were boosted um, two weeks ago or a month ago or even two months ago but the data really in the last month has shown how important it is with this strain of Omicron and you know omicron's only been around what five weeks we learned that about it you know right around Thanksgiving um, and so the the data has moved really fast on this um, faster than you know many of us can move to getting boosted but get boosted and then hunker down so Um,
0: okay so time is of the essence with the booster Does, does it have the lag time like the first couple of shots
1: it does have a lag time it's thought to be actually not nearly as long um and so you know getting boosted and getting that those antibodies on board seems to work much more quickly um even you know it could almost work Not quite in real time, which is to say if you get boosted and then you get exposed to the virus within a few days, it probably is going to to significantly reduce your risk of severe illness. That's reassuring. Thanks. (laughs) And then it's back to basics, you know, masking, washing your hands, staying out of indoor crowded spaces. So no more eating out indoors and, indoor and restaurant. This is not a good month to be eating indoors. Okay. Um, frankly, if there are any political stomach for shutting things down again, they should be shut down. But. You know, this is also the month where a lot of us get immunity to COVID, whether we want it or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Because it's going to be spreading like wildfire through yes, the population. A, so
1: the r not so the, the number of people that get infected by yeah. an infected person, is around R-10. Um, And by comparison, measles, which is generally thought to be the most contagious uh, viral illness, uh, has an R of around R-17, R-18, as I recollect. Um, The previous version of... Uh, COVIDs sort or of the Alpha and the Delta variants were around two, so this is Delta s- as well. Delta as well, maybe a little bit more, uh-huh. but not wow. not that much more. So this is.
0: Does that translate th- to five times more uh, infectious, more y- y- contagious? Y- y- yes. So, so it- does that mean ten people per individual? will get infected. Uh-huh. So if you have Omicron, you'll get 10 people infected?
1: Unless those 10 people are, you know, staying six feet away and masking up and, you know, staying out.
0: Do we have to go to 12 feet? How is <laughs> social it's, it's, distancing now? Right,
1: so it's, you know, that's, that's a good question. And frankly, I'm um, trying to maintain... Clarity around this is really hard. Um, we can see that in the CDC isolation and quarantine guidelines, which really look like they are stuck in a blender and blended. Um, they, You know, they just released that yesterday and they are completely incoherent. I read them three times and they're still completely incoherent. Um, so, you know, what, what should we do? We should sort of take the big gestalt on this. Um, you know, the further away you are, the better. Six feet was never a magic number. It was just a number that people could sort of internalize. Visualize, in. yes. yeah. So, yes, more than six feet, that's a great idea. More outside, even though it's cold out, Yeah, yes. well,
0: that's the other yeah. thing. It's like, how do you visit with anyone? No, it's snowing out there. You don't.
1: This is a month of non-visiting.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, and just Now,
1: let's just be very clear, though. I mean, this is still, you know, a virus that if you're vaccinated against is unlikely on an individual basis to produce severe illness so it's there's no need to completely you know wring your hands around this it's kind of like a bad flu season is kind of how we can think about it if you're fully vaccinated and boosted but on a population level when it's going to you know sweep the population and potentially hit our hospitals pretty hard it could get pretty bad Mm -hmm. and you know the 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 sort of side effect of this or the consequence of this is if our hospital is full and you happen to, you know, run your car into a tree or if you have a heart attack and you come into the ER and there are 30 people in the waiting room with COVID and we don't have helicopters um to get you to uh, you know, to the cardiac cath lab in Santa Rosa, then that's a real problem. Um and so it's just fraught. It's a fraught moment for the medical establishment. All right. Thank you, Yeah, for that, that bad news.
0: Um, tearing the band-Aid off super quick yeah. and letting people know we're in a new reality. Um, what do you have any other sort of news for us before we open up the phone lines?
1: No, we can open up the phone lines and okay. uh, see sir. what
0: people are thinking, yeah and what people are curious about. I did hear something on the radio this morning about some pundit medical person was talking about how this is a sign that, you know, in the evolution of a pandemic or an epidemic, viruses will get more contagious, but less deadly. And it's a sign that we're maybe getting near the end. And he even suggested that we could be done with the pandemic by the end of 2022. And I thought, I wonder what Drew thinks about that. Yeah,
1: it's, I think, you know, viruses do tend to evolve to become less deadly and more contagious. That is generally true. It's not absolutely true. Um, but viruses, you know, you have an evolutionary advantage if you spread re- re- readily. You don't have a, much of an advantage if you kill your host too fast so you don't spread. And so that's why you know, really nasty um, hemorrhagic fevers that are viral that tend to live in Central Africa, they don't tend to spread very fast because they just kill everybody. Uh-huh. Um, and so they're, they're, they're highly contagious to be sure, but you're not going to be walking around spreading your virus if you are dead. Um, and so that's a, quite a bit reductive, to be sure, but that's kind of what drives this underlying, um, you know, trend. Additionally, you know, if everybody gets this variant, um, then everybody, whether you're vaccinated or not, is going to have some level of immunity um, to future variants. And so we are. We're going to be taking a very large step toward the, you know, the Trojan horse of herd immunity um, in the next month. You know, if we're getting 500, you know, 500,000 cases a day, um, we're probably going to punch through a million cases a day in the next week oh or my two. God. Um, that's a lot of antibodies um, being developed in people who may or may not get sick. Fortunately, it seems like this is a less severe variant. We don't know that yet. We're all sort of on Mm tenterhooks because the the severe phase of COVID is delayed, right? So there's about a 10-day to two-week delay before you start to see people coming in in respiratory failure as their lungs are filling up with fluid. We don't know what that's going to translate to as we start to see a half million cases a day in this country.
0: Right, because there's some math here in terms of it might be less deadly, but if like 10 times as many people have it, then your death numbers are still going to be quite high, right?
2: Co-
1: correct.
0: Okay. Yep. I've learned something over the last almost two years sitting here with you. (laughs) This is the Local Coronavirus Update. I'm Alicia Bales, live in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. We're going to go ahead and open up the phone lines now for your calls and questions. The number here in the studio is 707-895-2448. That's 895-2448. We'll be here until 10 o'clock. So we got plenty of time to um, cover whatever issues are on your mind. Let's go ahead and take our first call. Good morning, caller. You're live on the air.
2: Hi, you guys. Thanks for being here again. Um, I do have a, a question about the Abbott Quick Test.
1: Good luck finding, a finding years it. Yeah, since
2: that info came out about the um, percent of accuracy in terms of if you are carrying um, a virus, since it goes to measure the antigen. Um, or the ana? Okay, see you see what I mean. It's been a couple of years. What? Um, how does that compare to the PCR test in terms of
1: giving you information to know if you need to stay home for a week? And yeah. I'm gonna hang up. Yeah. So that, that's a really good question. And having had a holiday get together with family where we all did a rapid test before we went indoors. Um, it's, it's one that we have thought about, I have thought about, and you know, my family has thought about. And the, the answer is, it appears to be as effective with this strain, with Omicron, as it was with previous strains. It doesn't affect the test's accuracy. The main problem with the over-the-counter rapid tests is, A, they're not available, right? So they're hard to find in this county right now. You might find one or two boxes here or there, but they're largely sold out. B, they are expensive. They cost you about ten bucks a test, which is cheap compared to getting COVID, to be sure. But it is a real barrier for a significant number of us, particularly if you're going to test, you know, repeatedly. Um, and then thirdly, the accuracy is not so much a problem with the chemical assay. It The accuracy is going to be affected more by operator error, um, so to speak. <laughs> and so you need to get a good sample. Uh, you need to follow the directions on the box. You know, these are all slightly different, these kits. Um, but you need to follow those directions quite well. And if you do all that, now we're talking about an 85% sensitivity. Um It might even be a bit higher um, if what you want to talk about is the likelihood that you are shedding virus that could get somebody else sick. And if we talk about that, I think the gestalt of most of us is you're in the low 90s um, in terms of picking that up. So not 100%, but pretty darn good. Um, And if you test serially, which is to say if you get a test within a couple days after a previous test and you're still running negative, then you can be pretty sure that you're not going to make anybody else sick with COVID.
0: It did get a, a press release from Public Health on Christmas Eve announcing that Public Health locally is uh, offering f- over-the-counter tests for free, um, that you can go and pick one up, or I don't know actually how it's being distributed, but um, you can call if you're interested, Four seven two two seven five nine. They do have... Uh, some of these over-the-counter tests available for people uh, immediately through community groups that have significant public contact and through public health offices in fort bragg willits and ukiah but i would definitely go online or call well, they
1: should they should frankly you know distribute them to the clinics and you know get them everywhere yes um, because people are showing up wanting covid tests in real time yeah. and you know they're, they're hard to find and the clinics don't have them clinics have them um, but they're not testing you know 24 7 so if the clinics had the the home test kits that they could literally hand out yeah um that would be a good a good step forward in making this more available
0: great okay let's take our next call good morning caller you are live on the air
2: hi there um i just have a question about if uh, someone's been vaccinated but the the six month period has not passed yet Mm -hmm. that means they still need to wait for uh six months before they get boosted
1: yeah, I, I frankly think that that six-month is kind of arbitrary. I mean, that's what was studied in the in the clinical use trial. Um, but the the risk-benefit, um, I would submit um, August toward getting boosted, you know, earlier than the six-month while we're dealing with this Omicron surge. Now, I wouldn't get boosted, you know, two or three months after your second dose of the Pfizer or Moderna. But if you're at five months, then I would probably sort of fudge it and get the booster at this point. Um, that's you know, that's not an official policy, that's not an official guideline, but if you're talking about individual um, risk management, that's what I would, you know, urge my family members to do. Um, the, right. It's not worth stressing about too much if you're sort of in this gray zone of, you know, three or four months ago, I got my second shot, because you're still pretty proximal to that second shot, which means you still have high antibodies induced by those, that first series, which are effective against Omicron. You're just not on the, you know, the the sharp part of the curve where you start to develop declining immunity.
2: Okay, cool. Thank you
0: very much. You're welcome. All right. Thanks for the call. Good morning, caller. You're live on the air.
1: Yeah. Hi, good morning. Uh, I think I might know the answer to this already just from listening, but if you've been invited to an event with 40 to 50 people who've all had their boosters shot and are all wearing masks, there's no food or drink,
3: how risky is that
1: at this point? Wow, that's a good question. Um, you know, it it certainly has much more risk now with Omicron um, than it did with the previous strains. Um, and I think we can safely presume that all of the circulating COVID in the county is Omicron as of, you know, probably a day and a half ago. Um, it's, I presume that your event is an indoor event. Um, yes. Yeah. And if you're not eating and drinking and you're keeping your mask on, you know, masks work. They're not they're not 100 percent. They probably aren't even, you know, 80 percent, but they do keep us you know healthcare providers from getting sick with covid right you know early on before we had the vaccines or anything for this the masks kept us healthy and i was you know staring down tracheas of people um and so you know they work if you're not fiddling with it and if it's not one of these silly bandana masks which don't work um and so it's It's a fraught question without a great answer. Um, If somebody in that 40 people has Omicron um, and is asymptomatic, um, are they going to be shedding enough virus through their masked face to get it into the air and get it through the other person's masked face? Uh, Maybe, you know, right? But. Probably not. What's the chance of somebody from that group getting COVID? I don't know, one in one in twenty right now. Um, maybe. You know, if if the group wanted to reduce their risk even more, everybody would do a quick test before you go in the door. And then I think the risk is completely manageable. Okay. Does that yeah. help? But
4: then that gets back to Where do you get the
1: test? Yes, no, that's exactly right. And that's, you know, that's, you know, that that falls on sort of our our government's failure to really, you know, get ahead of any of this um, over the course of, you know, two years. I mean, we should all have a stockpile of rapid tests. Those tests have been around for about a year. Um, And, you know, the fact that they haven't been sort of bought up and distributed is, you know, a failing to be sure.
3: Yeah. Okay. Okay. well, thank you very much. Thanks for doing the
1: show. Yeah, of course. And, you know, I. I th- I frankly would suggest um, that if everybody's vaccinated and boosted um, then those 40 people should just make an individual risk assessment as to how um, how many risk factors they have for doing poorly. I would not suggest that you know, you know, 40 people who are over the age of 75 and have high blood pressure and obesity and diabetes and lung disease get together in a fully vaccinated masked room because, you know, the risk of severe illness is, is really the most concerning um, you know, point of analysis. And if this is a younger, healthier group that is doing the right things, uh, then the individual risk or even the risk to the community is manageable if they're all vaccinated.
3: Okay, well, great. Thank you very much. All
1: right,
0: thanks for the call. Drew, um, I've been hearing that some masks are better than others, and even some gossip that cloth masks are not ideal at this point. What do you think?
1: Yeah, surgical masks are really what people should be wearing. Um, you know, well-made cloth masks work as well, but like the neck gaiters that you see people wearing, um, just sort of a bandana, um, you know, sort of the the old style cowboy checkered bandana, that does nothing. Um, you don't need to go to the N95s unless you want to be, you know, a super achiever. Um, I'm not wearing an N95. I keep a box of, box of surgical masks handy. Um, they are widely available and reasonably cheap and reusable, and that you can just sort of lay them out and they will self-sterilize. Be- um,
0: better than a cloth mask. Yes. Okay, yeah. good to know. And available yeah. in any pharmacy, right?
1: Or Home Depot or your grocery store. I mean they're. And
0: they say a medical grade surgical mask.
1: Yeah, it does. Even if it's even if it's a surgical appearing mask, it doesn't necessarily need to say medical grade because the 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 material that goes into all these disposable masks that now litter our roadsides and beaches and sidewalks um are largely the same I mean, for all i know they're made in the same two plants um you know in the world on um, they just churned out and put in different boxes but they still are the most effective cheapest safest way to and
0: most comfortable outside. i tried I, t- I spent a day at work with the n95 front that oh, we yeah, wear, wear during fire season and it is seriously uncomfortable where
1: are you out yep
0: all right let's take our next call Hello, caller.
4: You're live on the air. air. Yeah, I have a question about our 15 year old daughter who is doing basketball practice, um, or 14, excuse me, and cannot get her booster shot. Um, Do you think that she should be going in to practice, even though they're testing bi weekly and wearing masks while they do practice?
1: Well, um, yeah, I, I think the answer to that is yes, um, honestly. I think if your daughter's fourteen years old and she has presumably received her two shots, um, and as long as people are wearing masks, I know they're annoying when you're trying to do athletics, but I think if people are masked and um have done the right things then the risk benefit augurs toward allowing sports to go forward i i you know we're two years into this pandemic at this point um and i don't think that we should be taking things away now i don't know where your daughter goes to school and what sort of vaccine requirement there is um but it sounds like if they're testing twice weekly then this is one where there's a pretty high rate of vaccination amongst her fellow students
4: Yes, yes, and then one follow up too um, we we were thinking that she could get the booster shot, but they told us that she could not at this point. Do you know when Mendocino county might be moving to uh, to that?
1: Yeah, it's probably going to be another uh, month um, it's it, it, you know it might be a little bit sooner than that, but dropping the age to, is going to drop down to twelve soon um, but unfortunately, having a 14 year old myself, um, the booster is not yet available.
4: Okay, and there's no way that we can do, like, a waiver or something like that, a parent waiver? No, and just,
1: and no, there's there's not. And, you know, it's, it's still, I mean, it, it's still a disease primarily of adults, right? I mean, unfortunately, but, Omicron seems to be affecting kids a bit more than we would have anticipated or disproportionately more with something that may be a little bit more benign generally. Um, but if she's vaccinated two doses um the risk is really quite manageable um you know as a as a parent um who you know tries to keep my own kids safe or tells other parents how to keep their kids safe this is a very low risk um illness for a vaccinated 14 year old girl Okay,
4: perfect. Thank you very much. That helps quite a
0: bit. All right, thank you. And what is the age for boosters? How how young can people get boosted?
4: Right
1: now, it's 16 um, is my recollection, and it should be dropping to 12 um, soon.
0: All right, let's take our next call. Good morning, caller. You're live on the air.
3: Hello, this is Fred calling. Um, I'm the breakthrough case that called uh, back in the summer. I've tested positive on August twentieth and again on October twentieth. Uh-huh. And I did not get sick thanks to the vaccine. But the important lesson it gave me was get tested. You can have this thing and not know it and be giving it to other people. So testing, testing, testing. Besides masking and vaccine vaccinating, we've got to test.
1: No, I, I, you, yes, I, I agree. And testing, you know, particularly during the surge, is, is going to really be helpful for all of us. But your, your personal experience illustrates a good point, which is you know, if you're if you were diagnosed with a breakthrough case over the summer and you're still testing positive um, two months later, that's not a new infection. That's just the viral you know, particles, um, antigens, lingering in your system
3: doesn't necessarily... No, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. Oh, okay. I, so tested, you've... Positive. I tested positive on August 20th. Mm-hmm. Negative two weeks later. Got it. October 20th, positive again. Negative two weeks later. Got it. Yeah, so no, that's... that. I, tested, I test every
1: week. Good. Well, that that is not the norm, um, either locally or nationwide. Um, But if you cleared the virus and then you're positive again, then, yes, you had another asymptomatic infection. Um, And your point is well taken. And this is why this virus has been so successful for the last couple of years is asymptomatic people can walk around with it and spread it to everybody else without having a slightest clue that they're doing so.
3: Right, that's the point I wanted to make. Get tested as often as you can. Yes. And the testing center is still
1: up and running. You know, people can go to the Ukiah Fairgrounds. It's still there, folks. That hasn't moved. Uh, We're talking about these home test kits and local, you know, federally qualified health centers through the county test um, pretty routinely. You can call and you can get in and get tested without any difficulty at all. Those tests are free. They are happy to do it. Um, And apparently public health is handing out these boxes. um, So you can call them and get tested through them as well. Um, So the testing is available. It's not necessarily convenient, um, which is problematic. Um, And then, you know, the real barrier, I think, to people getting tested is, you know, a positive result. Um, And then, you know, what do you do? Well, you're supposed to, as of the day before yesterday, you're supposed to isolate for 10 days. But now you have this, you know, blended blended sort of bunch of recommendations from the cdc um basically they've cut it in half um as long as you're asymptomatic um with the encouragement that you get retested and or not retested but wear a mask for another five days which you're already supposed to wear a mask yeah I, it's just it's just yeah. sad it's just sad anyway Fred, i appreciate your uh, your uh, point it's it's one well taken and sorry I, I didn't understand that you had a negative test between those two uh, positive tests
3: yeah, I was that's the curious part because they told me that you may test continue to test positive for another couple months. and both times it was two weeks later. I was negative.
1: Yeah, and that's that's the norm, right? I mean, most people are going to clear the virus, and you're going to test negative. Some people don't. Um, some people literally are going to test positive for for months and months after having the illness. Doesn't mean they're shedding the virus. It means they're just not completely clearing it out of their you know the nasal um, mucosa, um, and so that's that can be problematic. You don't want to say you know you need to be in isolation uh, for the next eight months until you're test negative. Um, it's really a question of. Trans- transmissibility but if you test a negative and then positive again you know these tests are pretty accurate i gotta believe that you were reinfected
0: hey fred if you get tested every week where do you get it done
3: i get it at the uh, senior center in boonville you find okay. out two days later they send you an email and you know now you have a reference point do you they know, know is it a certain
0: day of the week or
3: every wednesday nine o'clock
0: fabulous thanks yeah. There's there's testing and so you all over. Know, this. Uh,
3: yeah. last Wednesday you didn't have it. So you turn up positive, you make a few phone calls, everybody gets tested. Now in the Simple. in the grand scheme of the <laughs> virus system, you've you've stopped it right yeah. there.
1: Yeah. No, that's exactly right. And if we were all doing that, Fred, we would not be where we are right now. Little
3: and I have to tell people. I've told people my story and trying to get them to get tested and I've encountered reluctance to even get tested. I don't understand why anybody in their right mind would not want to know if they have COVID.
1: Well, I think the the barrier there, um, I I, I hear what you're saying, and I certainly agree that you should want to know if you have COVID or not. But I I think for a lot of people, um, knowing that you have asymptomatic COVID, which is to say, if you have this mild illness, that's, you know, not making you sick, and as far as you can see, isn't making anybody around you sick, um, then you still want to go to work, right? You still need to make a living, you still need to get a paycheck, you need to get gas in your car and being told, Oh, you have COVID and you're now going to have to isolate for 10 days is a huge problem for a lot of people. And so a lot oh, of people yeah. right so a lot of people just don't want to know, particularly if they feel fine and if everybody in their house feels fine. Right. And so what would have been better Um, frankly, and would have been more coherent, is if we had some sort of you know, we're way past this at this point I'm just sort of ranting right now, but if we had some sort of coherent governmental you know, response that would have you know, A, kept people's jobs secure while they isolated and B, met their paycheck while they weren't allowed to work, um, then people would sign up for testing a whole lot more. It wouldn't have been all that expensive, frankly, compared to the billions that were shoveled out to Big pharma on this whole thing um, and it would have kept us all safer that hasn't happened it's not going to happen but that really should have happened in a way that would have lowered the cost of greater surveillance
0: okay fred thanks a lot for the call
1: thank you
0: appreciate it good morning caller you're live on the air good
2: morning i just wanted to let people know that in willits the blue truck is parked outside city hall every wednesday to get tested and i haven't seen too much publicity about that option being available and i want people to know every wednesday there's a blue truck parked in the parking lot you drive up walk up register you're out of there in two minutes
1: See, I had no idea. On uh, the blue taco truck in front of Civil City Hall in Willets, you get a test the and blue, get a taco. No, the blue, huh? The blue, the
2: blue COVID testing.
1: Oh, truck. Uh, ju- just a COVID test. <laughs> it would be cool. <laughs> right? I I I would. I, I think you'd get more uptake if they gave you a taco or an I'm empanada or it. a pastry. Yeah. Anyway, that's that. that
2: I think you'd get more people up there if they knew the truck was there every Wednesday. No,
1: I agree. You know, it's these kind of things that um, you know people don't know about um, because we don't really have a coherent or organized publicity campaign around this. I mean, it's it's, it's quite piecemeal to be sure. Um, so, your call and your point is a good one. Blue truck, Willets, nine a.m. Will it. to twelve
0: forty-five p.m.
2: Yep, it's there, and it's at City Hall on Commercial Street. I swim every Wednesday. I get tested every week when I go and come back from swimming. So right. there you
0: go. Great, thanks for the call. Happy New Year. Happy New Happy Year. Year. Hope better. All right. Uh, apparently today the blue truck mm-hmm. is in Fort Bragg from nine to twelve forty-five, and again, f- f- I guess they're closing for lunch, and then they'll be back open from two to four forty-five, and that's at the veterans hall on north harrison street that's good yeah you can get tested today all right let's take our next call it's the local coronavirus update it's 895-2448 that's 707-895-2448 good morning caller you're live on the air caller are you with me
1: Guess doesn't not. sound like nope
0: it. hello caller you're live on the air
2: hi i have a couple of quickie questions okay um The first is about long COVID. Um, I I think that's the term. I'm um, fully vaxxed and boosted. Um, If I get COVID, I'm not, you know, hugely worried. But what's the data about um, long COVID with people who have been vaxxed and boosted? And then my other question has to do with if you have an asymptomatic case, uh, do you also develop antibodies?
1: So I'll take your second question first. The answer is real easy. Yes. Um, If you are exposed and you have the virus in your system, and even if you don't have any symptoms from that virus, which is actually probably the majority of people who get COVID, um, you are going to develop antibodies that will um, control the virus. are in fact controlling the virus um and then you know your or rather your immune response has and then that's going to trigger antibody response uh, that's going to be durable to some greater or lesser degree over the course of the next you know six months to 60 years well, um good. yeah so and then your second question about long COVID, it you know, the data on this is really not very good yet. Um, we just there's way too many uncertainties for me to say anything uh, definitive or even quasi definitive around long COVID, um, the likelihood of people developing it as it relates to their vaccine status or its severity. Um we had hypothesized I and mean, i think i said this about a year and a half ago that if you had an asymptomatic case then it was very unlikely that you'd develop long covid that's kind of fallen away there are some people who have asymptomatic or largely asymptomatic cases and yet still develop some of these weird constellation of symptoms that we are ascribing to this long covid well wow. um so that's 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 both scary and confounding, frankly yeah. um, and then you know the the data on people who are fully vaccinated, you know developing sort of a minor or asymptomatic infection um, and then developing long covid. We just we don't know we don't we have we don't have enough time we don't have enough data we don't have enough clinical experience to even give a gestalt on that yet right um, and
2: long COVID is still developing I mean it, right. it might be a
3: year later or something who it,
1: knows exactly and it's it's going to be this very nebulous constellation of symptoms that you know you're not going to have a good test for um, and it's going to be very hard to define or characterize well and so it's it's going to provide you know much fodder for frustration amongst uh, medical providers um and it's going to provoke a fair amount of confusion amongst the people you know suffering from these sort of vague diffuse um, poorly characterized symptoms which may or may not be long covid it might just be you know depression because we're sick of this pandemic um, and you know we're manifesting depression in in a physical way that happens all the time as well to be sure so it's 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 confusing um now and i Unfortunately, I think it's going to remain a fairly muddled picture, you know, for the next six months to a year. Maybe we'll get some clarity, but stay tuned.
2: Oh, thank you. Um, Something to look forward to.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah, definitely. Thanks a lot. Thanks for the call. Uh Good morning, caller. You're live on the air.
2: Hi. I wanted to let you know that Nustra Alianza is also doing free testing. You have to register online, but it's at the Little Lake Grange in Willits. And my, my question is, there, oh, it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And my question is about the viral load. If, if you're vaccinated, do you have less viral load to spread? Like, how does it serve us? They're talking about, say, taking a plane and everyone having to be vaccinated. If someone's not vaccinated, are you more likely to get the virus from them? Is my
1: question? Yes, the answer is yes. Um, People who are completely unvaccinated uh, versus somebody who is fully vaccinated. the, the difference is not yet well defined, but we know that the unvaccinated is probably twofold or maybe even threefold more likely to be shedding the virus. Well, let me put an asterisk there. We think we know. Um, but that seems to be where the data is headed. Is, is There's a substantial reduction in transmission amongst the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. It's still being spread, you know, from, you know, amongst the vaccinated. So if you're vaccinated, you have a symptomatic illness, you're still spreading it, but you're probably not spreading as much. Um, And um, the the amount that you're spreading, you know, may be adequate with Omicron, given the fact that you need a much lower viral load or much lower viral exposure. Um, But the vaccine still does reduce transmission. So that's why the, you know, that's why Fauci a day or two ago was saying, you know, the FAA should consider a vaccine requirement for flying because you know flights are you know frankly they're more emotionally fraught um than anything else um you know they have really good air circulation i mean i nobody likes flying because you feel terrible but they that's because they're you know they're flying at a ten thousand foot um sort of compression um but the air circulation has been turned up um and they're running through really good filters so it's probably less dangerous than walking into a crowded grocery store um honestly
2: And uh, also, I was wondering, vaccines in general, like like when you get a polio vaccine, you're not going to get polio. Is that correct? Like, they're saying it's not a true vaccine because it doesn't prevent you from getting the disease. No. So I have
1: a question. Yeah, so that, that's a good question. That's, that's a point of confusion for a lot of people. Vaccines don't necessarily prevent you from getting the disease, right? They, they reduce the disease burden in society. And so the way vaccines work really is not by stopping the disease in an individual basis, but stopping the disease on a population basis. So polio doesn't exist anymore because we all got our polio vaccine um, and the vaccine ran out of fuel and it died out, um, you know, without exception. Uh, Other diseases um, are kept in check by our very robust herd immunity, right? So we have a very good measles vaccine. It's not 100%. Somebody who's vaccinated against measles can still get measles. It's just that we don't have measles circulating because we all have, or most of us, have really good immunity against measles induced by the M of the MMR vaccine, right? And so what, what happens, though, with measles, for example, or any other vaccine is if you you have pockets of people who are not vaccinated then you can get these little outbreaks amongst the unvaccinated which can in fact have spread to the vaccinated component of the population now the unvaccinated among us are just freeloaders right they are freeloading on those of us who have signed up for the vaccines to prevent us from dealing with these diseases that are devastating to you know the human population so measles is a nasty nasty disease we don't deal with it anymore i haven't ever seen a case of measles because the vaccine has stopped in its tracks but the previous generation of doctors you know they had um and it works because the vaccine while not 100 is good enough and this vaccine is no different it is good enough it's in fact extraordinarily good um at you know d- decreasing the viral replication and the progression in the individual and certainly in the population.
2: Okay, thank you very much.
1: Did that make sense as a little bit of a lecture there? But uh
2: No, it made total sense and I actually did know I
1: know a couple of people who had polio, so. Yeah, no, I I still see people with polio. I'll I'll admit people to the hospital, you know, with not, not with active polio, but you know, with the paralysis from, you know, a 1950s polio case. And, you know, my parents, you know, lived through polio scares in the early fifties when they were young teenagers. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the 80 year olds amongst us remember polio and remember what it was like. Um, You know, it's, you know, it's kinda of like tetanus, right? Nobody gets tetanus anymore, as one provider said, um to me. And I was like, well, nobody gets tetanus because we all get vaccinated. The first thing I asked when I, you know, I'm sewing up a laceration is when was your last tetanus shot? Um, because it's just controlled. Um and so You know, we'll get there with COVID. COVID is going to be a kind of thing that will be controlled, whether it's the end of 2022 or whether, you know, Alicia and I are still sitting here, you know, five years from now. In our 80s. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Thank you. We'll be doing other stuff. Okay. Thanks for the call. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. It's the local coronavirus update. We got about eight minutes left. couple more questions. All right. 895-2448. Good morning, caller. You're live on
3: the air. Um, Yeah, my name is Jeff, and I'm in Ukiah, and I've already gotten Johnson & Johnson, and it made me really stupid. I had to dial the number like six times to get it right because I am trying to use my memory for it. But um, I would like to know how I could get the virus because I want it. I want to know whether I'm going to die from it or I'm not going to and i want to do that i don't want to have excuses why i shouldn't so do you have any recommendations on that
1: no no i I don't really think it's a good idea to try to you know induce exposure to covid um particularly during this phase i mean this is not like chicken pox where people have you know chicken pox parties um but you know speaking of vaccines right but uh This is not a disease where you want to go out and find it. It will probably find you, um, honestly. And for those listeners who have had just the J&J, the stupidity side effect aside, um, I would urge you to get another shot. Um, And that's going to be readily administered by any um, clinic in the county um, because the J&J is just not as good. Um, It had a less good safety profile, particularly for young men, um, and it has less efficacy. So there's really no reason to not get the mRNA um, booster at this point to sort of top off your immunity against this Omicron. Pfizer
0: and, and Moderna.
1: That's all we got.
0: I mean, if you want to get it, um, you just
1: sit tight. Get it'll come vaccinated, vaccinated
0: you. and then you will have—you won't have to get it, right? Like that's why vaccinations exist, so that you can get immunity without having to get
2: sick.
1: Yes, that- that's well, you know, it's it ninety percent reduction in the likelihood of getting substantially sick. That's that's sort of the data on both Pfizer and Moderna. Um, you know, that's the data, particularly with a booster. So you might get sick. There are breakthrough cases. There are hospitalized people with breakthrough cases. But the likelihood, you know, that data out of Israel, it's a 92% reduction in in critical illness from COVID if you're boosted. That's pretty substantial. That's pretty impressive.
0: Okay, let's take our last call. Good morning, Caller. You're live on the air.
4: Yeah, hi. Uh, I have a couple of quick recommendations about testing and vaccination. Um, for one thing, uh, the county website has really gotten its shit uh, stuff together. Um, sorry, uh, and so you know, if you go to the Mendocino County website, right at the top of the page, there's a link to information about COVID, and the list of testing is comprehensive. And there's testing many days of the week in almost every area of the county. Um, so that's the place to go if you want to get more testing. It, it's available, pretty widely available. The thing about uh, vaccinations, my recommendation is, um, I go into Fort Bragg uh, once a week for shopping and stuff. And a couple of weeks ago, I went to get my booster at the health clinic at the you know on South Street there by the hospital. And it was a line of cars. You know, there were over a hundred cars lined up, snaking all the way around from South Street to Cypress Street. It was over an hour wait, and I just gave it up. Uh, then last week, I went and I, I did the the chore of signing up with uh, what's it called, My Turn or whatever it is yeah. on the website, and and I went and it's at the at the um, county health clinic on um, First Street, and um, I had an appointment. I was in a warm room by myself without a whole bunch of other people. Very, very nice person. Gave me the shot, and I was out of there in 10 minutes. Yeah. So it's worth it's worth doing the little bit of a chore of doing the filling out the forms online and stuff. And it made it really simple, and I was able to, you know, not take half my day doing it. So, so those are my recommendations about, you know, vaccination and, um, yeah, and they- testing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that, that I appreciate the call and that's those are very good recommendations. So my turn is a bit of a bureaucratic um labyrinth to navigate. Um you need a working internet connection, but I think it's my and then the Mendocino okay. County website is mendocinocounty.org. You go to that um and then the top it has COVID or coronavirus information. You hit that link and it, it will pull up yeah. all the data that you need in terms of where to go. Yep. You could also just, you know, call your local clinic. They are very Friendly, very helpful, and can tell you mm-hmm. when and where to go to get a shot. Um, that That's that's the third option. But all those options are available to all of us. So I'm glad you got boosted. I'm glad there are 100 people lined up in Fort Bragg waiting to get a shot. That's, that's, yeah, actually, it was, that's it was good amazing. to hear. It, um,
4: it snaked around through all the parking lots in that whole complex.
1: Well, if I had been there, it would have moved faster. Nice. I'll tell you that.
4: <laughs> okay. All right. Thank right. you. Thanks
0: for the call. Thank you, man. I could just see it. Shot, 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 shot. Fast on along, the straightaway, <laughs> slow on the curves. <laughs> well, you still have to sit there for fifteen minutes, yeah, right?
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Well, we have about two and a half minutes. Do you want to try one, or do you want to? Sure, wrap up?
1: the lines are lit up.
0: They sure are. Let's take one last call. Make it it's a quick one. Gotta be quick. Hey, caller, you're live on the air. Do you have a quick, quick question?
2: Yes. Um, I have a loved one who has had two of the vaccination shots doesn't want to get the booster because it makes him feel so bad, how long or does the effectiveness of the first two shots drop over a period of time?
1: It drops, you know, it, if the second of the two-shot series was more than five or six months ago, you're starting to see a significant decrease in protection against Omicron. Um, and so, even though it makes one feel pretty bad, um, the the decrease in risk of severe illness, particularly for somebody over the age of 65, I think strongly outweighs that day or two of feeling cruddy if you do in fact have those side effects. So I would encourage- Same as 40s in his forties. Yeah, so that yeah. that's slightly decreased, you know, risk in terms of um age. I, I don't know about comorbidities and we don't need to go into that. Um, but I would really encourage, you know, all of us to get boosted be- before Omicron finds you. Um it is still a real illness. It might be a little bit less deadly than the previous strains, but boy, I wouldn't count on that you know load up on ibuprofen and Tylenol after getting boosted set aside a day or do it on your day the day before your day off um, and you know deal with those side effects because it's a whole lot more benign than even a one, moderate covid illness
2: one more question do I'm sorry
1: most... we are we totally got to go we are out of time i'm sorry. so sorry call back okay thank we'll, you we'll be back in 2 weeks back in two weeks and maybe back next Next week week. i might uh trade with dr trotter or supplant his show to sort of update people on what's going on uh, with healthcare in this county um so stay tuned we'll do a promo if that's going to happen but i suspect it may be that i am live on the air next tuesday um and then our regular show two weeks from today All right. So
0: um, going back to weekly, just for the month of January, just for the new year. (laughs) Got a lot to say. Yes. All right. uh, We're out of time. It's the local coronavirus update. I'm Alicia Bales, live in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Thanks, Drew.
1: Thank you, Alicia. Thank you, listeners. And
0: we'll see you next week. This has been the Local Coronavirus Update Podcast with Dr. Drew Colfax, produced by Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and 88.1 FM in Fort Bragg, California. You can also hear us live on the web 24 hours a day at www.kzyx.org. If you'd like to listen live and call in to the local coronavirus update, you can find us in our new time every second and fourth Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Our live studio call-in number is 707-895-2448. You can also email your questions anytime at dj at kzyx.org. And you can always catch us right here as a podcast, KZYX Local Coronavirus Update with Dr. Drew Colfax. Our theme music is Bad News Blues by Lucinda Williams, and our outro music is a song called Stump Town, composed and performed by Zach Gordon. I'm Alicia Bales. We'll see you next time.